the markets. We just can't get enough of them. Markets are the drivers of your wealth and investment strategy. Welcome to Magic Markets with your co-hosts, the Finance Coast and Mohamed Nala. Together, we have more than 25 years of combined experience in the markets. In addition to our weekly free show that you know and love, we have now launched Magic Markets Premium, a weekly show for our subscribers in which we give detailed analysis on global stocks. Every premium show is accompanied by a report covering the company's strategic drivers, its operating environment, its competitors, bull versus bear case, technical trading indicators, and a long-term investment thesis. At just 99 Rand per month, we are committed to making institutional-level analysis affordable for all investors and traders. Visit magic-markets.com to go premium and unlock your full potential in the markets. This podcast is brought to you by Anbro Capital Investments. Invest in the future, invest in growth. Visit investinunicorns.com to learn more. The Unicorn portfolio is managed by Anbro Capital Investments, an authorized financial services provider. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not financial or investment advice. Please speak to your personal financial advisor. Welcome to episode 119 of Magic Markets. I'm quite tempted, Mo, to rename this to Pillow Talk because that's what I'm currently doing. You know, when we started Magic Markets, you used to record it in your closet and in your car uh, just to try and get the sound quality right. And I've now moved house, so I'm in this very echoey cave because I don't have enough furniture and now I have a pillow basically next to my head. So we've really come full circle here on Magic Markets in our attempts to not have an echoey recording. So hopefully mine is not too bad. Apologies if it is. At some point I'll get furniture, but for now it's an episode of Pillow Talk. Yeah, Ghost, always a pleasure doing this with you. And and, and just for context and uh, for the benefit of our listeners, you know, it's literally you don't have furniture because you've just moved over the course of the weekend. And this is this is the startup life, right? You know, like you say, recorded from a car, recorded from a closet, now recording from an, an echoey fishbowl. Uh, but again, we should be fine. We hope our listeners enjoy this. But better than all of this is the fact that we've got with us on the show this week from Anbro Capital, Justin Brophy, who's not talking to us from a fishbowl or a car or a closet. Justin, welcome back to Magic Markets. Thanks very much for having us and uh, good to be with you and your listeners. He does have a light right above his head. It's quite an angelic sort of silhouette that you cast there, Just. So, you know, hopefully you've got some angelic uh, news for us on some of the stocks in your portfolio and just how it's looking out there for Anbro. And of course, it's more than one portfolio these days, right? It's not just the unicorn growth portfolio. I mean, we've had you on before to talk about some of the other stuff going on with Anbro. It's probably not a bad place to start. It's just high level, you know, what's happening in your world. Sure. You know, just uh, to clarify what you just said there, I mean, obviously our unicorn is our growth portfolio, and we also have our our dynamic compounding portfolio, which is around trying to get the highest possible compounding dividend for investors. And then we've obviously got our normal discretionary portfolios more for the long term, which consist of our growth and high dividend compounding portions for our investors and clients. Uh, looking at where we are, I mean, off air, you guys started chatting a little bit about where are things from a growth point of view. Well, I mean, it's great to sit here today and say after the first quarter, we've had a really nice start to the year. I think uh, after last year, which was really tough for everyone. I mean, there's a there's a comment that, and this is Craig's comment. Craig said, you know, even a basket of something like the fans, which are well established, your sort of Facebook now, Meta, and Amazon, Apple, Netflix, and Google, plus Microsoft and NVIDIA, if you add them in as well, the basket of those was down 41% last year. Now, these aren't profitless tech. These are big global companies with huge reach, huge balance sheets that suffered that type of loss last year. So we saw 
a very big pullback in where we were. And we've seen a nice start to the year. I don't think any of us are naive enough to think that uh, this start to the year is something that's going to balloon from here. I think we're still in quite choppy waters. And I think that the Fed has just proved everyone wrong again by raising interest rates and could raise again. So we are in interesting times here. Definitely in interesting times. We've had this first quarter. And if you look at the first quarter, just on a, on a headline level, if you look at the NASDAQ, you know, that's up in, in the solid double digits as we kicked off this year. But if you look at the rest of the market, if you look at the Dow, you know, essentially flat over the first quarter. If you look at the S&P kind of mid single digits, you know, around 7% to, to kick off the year. So I, I think that really does concur with the view that you put on the table in terms of, yes, we're not out the woods yet. You know, is the Fed peaking? We don't quite know yet. Inflation still looking remarkably sticky. You know, we've just had news flow out about OPEC cutting production. That's pushed up oil prices again. And, you know, for as long as some of those sticky factors remain on the horizon, you can't rule out the fact that maybe the Fed doesn't quite pause. They might slow down, but maybe they don't pause just yet. So very difficult to try and call the cycle or the turn of the cycle there. But at the end of the day, and, and what we always enjoy about our discussions with the team at Anbro is that we don't always just keep this on a macro level. We get into the weeds, we look at you know what's happened in the portfolio, and then we discuss specific stocks. And that's something I want to actually kind of feed into this particular discussion this week because you know we were chatting offline before this recording just you and I saying you know there are a couple of stocks we spoke about last year uh, and those are a stock called Dexcom which is in the diabetes management segment of the market healthcare stock a very much a growth stock uh, and then we also spoke about another stock called Star Surgical and they were in kind of the the lenses market again contact lenses and, and that kind of thing and we spoke about that when I went and I checked this just to show you how time passes so quickly we spoke about that around nine to ten months ago it was the middle of last year and there's been so much movement I remember because you put those stocks on the radar for us I've been watching Dexcom specifically quite closely maybe not as close to star and I want to maybe just recap that because the point I want to land with our listeners is that it's all well and good looking at a stock but in the markets, you have to stay on top of things because there's always so many moving parts and things change a lot. So I think that's really where I'd like to take the discussion today and say, can we jump straight into those particular ideas simply because we spoke about it last year, so much has moved. And maybe let's kick off with, with Dexcom because that's one that I've been watching quite closely and that's quite quite close to my heart. Sure. I think uh, for us, you know, Dexcom is, is something that we think, you know, sadly, there's a really good paragraph here I want to read to you guys. It's, Diabetes market has some of the strongest tailwinds globally today. Current estimates are a billion people classified as obese globally today. Now, you know, growth rates remain strong even in type 2 diabetes. Current estimates are at 5% per annum over the long term of people just going into that type 2 diabetes uh, space. And I think when we look at this kind of play for us, you know, both in Star and Dexcom, these are very specific plays focusing on very specific areas of the market. Dexcom doesn't have other businesses that it's involved in or other spheres. It's a specific glucose monitoring sort of solution for clients whereby there is an ability for someone to wear a patch, a specific patch currently called the G6, have constant glucose monitoring, manage this, this scourge disease that they may have picked up, and manage it in a way that whether you're a child or a pensioner or, or any age, it's manageable and your lifestyle can continue. So I think diving into Dexcom, Dexcom is a fascinating stock for us because if you're a trader, like you said, you've seen some serious volatility in this space. 
But if you, like us, feel like there's real opportunity out there in this particular space, and we'll jump into Star at the same time later on in the, in the same way, there really is an opportunity to play the this diabetes scourge play with Dexcom. Now, when we spoke earlier, before we get into some numbers, there was also a little bit of volatility around the stock when Apple announced that they were bringing out constant you know, glucose monitoring stuff and things like that. And we had a discussion a while back on AI and so the things come and go. So being a trader, particularly in these markets, very tough. However, in the space of Dexcom, you're looking at sort of Abbott Laboratories and another company called Medtronic, who are the leaders in this space. So Dexcom, Medtronic, Abbott Laboratories, these are people out there who have existing products that people like you and I are using and getting results from. Now, the interesting thing is that Dexcom currently, their latest device, that G6, is fully integrated with pumps that are offered by Tandem and Insulet, which are the biggest, let's call it, drug providers into this space as well. Now, why I mention that is that when you want to come in and disrupt a space like Apple was trying to do, you need to be aware that I think for people in this space, it's a very personal thing. You know, once you start using something like this and it works or you've been able to get Someone who might be more resistant to change, whether it be a child or whether it be, you know, a person who's not that excited about technology, who's finally learned to use this kind of device and getting benefit from it. It has quite a, a sticky sort of base of people who are quite loyal to what they do. Now, the other nice thing about Dexcom is that this is what they do. You know, Abbott um, does a whole lot of other medical pieces and devices as well. And Medtronic is also has other focuses as well. But Dexcom, this is their play. So to the investor, there's the risk that if they get it wrong, this is their only play. And there's also the benefit of this is a pure play, you know, if they get it right. So I think from an investor point of view and what's happened over this time period, you know, when you look at it, the PE in this particular stock, if you wanted to go and have a look at it and see what does the PE look like, it looks incredibly high. And I know while we're there, you know, sitting talking about this, you know, at this stage, I know Ghost's hurriedly having a look and saying, where's the PE? PE and it would frighten even him, you know, at this stage where it is. However, if you look at currently in this in this scenario, how fast this market is growing out there and the number of people with diabetes and Dexcom's share of that market, you know, they're already at around 35% of the top one users in their market already using the products of, of Dexcom, but the top two runway is immense. So at this stage, this, this particular stock unwinds its PE very quickly. And if we look at where they're going and what they're doing, I feel their focus, based on having a low debt at this stage, if you look at their debt repayments around 11, 12 million a year, based on a low debt relative to their balance sheet gearing position, I think it's easy for them to look at this market in a tough space and easily see themselves through over the long term. As if you wanted to trade it, I can see it being a very difficult stock to trade. If it's a stock you want in your portfolio, I see it as a really, really good opportunity, you know, going forward. So for us, you know, Craig and I looking at this particular stock, we feel that revenue of around 2.9 billion a year growing, these guys are the pure play in the WT space and continue to be in that. The other interesting thing about Dexcom as an investor is that it's quite an interesting stock to look at. It's not a complex stock. There's not cross-holdings. There's not other things in that space. So as an investor, when you look at it, it's a good one to look at and look at the financials of because they're pretty, not, no, no financial set is simple to understand, but it's far easier to understand a single vertical than it is to look at something that has multiple different branches. So for me, the, the beauty of this play is 
sadly a big runway because of the diabetes uh, you know scourge we're seeing again sadly a really big growth in type 2 diabetes as well this is not something that's going to go away those investment tailwinds are really an opportunity to stay invested in something that's doing right by its customers by its market share and really focused in this space so it is a stock we hold and continue to hold and we see growth in this space with really good management as well. Something that I found interesting when I was Googling it before we jumped on, so I always just look at, you know, what is the latest news? Obviously, Dexcom putting a lot of effort into the brand. I see that Nick Jonas as a yeah. Super Bowl ad. That's correct. Um, so, you know, diabetes is cool now, kids. Of course, it's not. But what they are doing is they're saying it's also not the end of your life, which I think is the point here. And, you know, that's the whole thing. It's a management tool. It's, hey, a lot of people have this thing, and that's why he's their sort of ambassadors because he's had it. I Googled, first time I've ever Googled Nick Jonas, it's ruined my search history now. My history is over. My Facebook is now going to kill me. But basically, he's had it since he was a teenager from what I saw. You know, and that's the whole thesis here is you can live with this disease. Dexcom makes that possible. Here's the product. And having the ambassadors, uh, Ghost, it's a really clever thing you just raised to this. You know, one of the things that their marketing really has done is they come across as personable. You know, when they did that with Nick Jonas, that's just one of their ambassadors. You know, they've got ambassadors across sort of the age age range. And um, it really is almost like when people use this product, they they use it, one, because it's good and they can identify with it. But some of those ambassadors also identify with the right age group, with people. So it's almost like Dexcom is with you, helping you with this as opposed to just being a solution you bought off a shelf somewhere, like a banana for a headache. You know, These guys, I think, really walk the walk. And their market share already already, you know, speaks volumes towards that. And if people are wondering if the ambassador model is valuable, there's a small sneaker brand called Nike. And I think they've demonstrated over the years that it does make a difference. Yeah, I think just, just staying with Dexcom for now, I mean, a couple of things that concern me on, on the horizon, obviously, I mean, Justin, you've mentioned the, the Apple's looking into the wearables market and you know that might erode some of the type 2 diabetes kind of runway just because there's another competitor in the space and again i'm going to try and unpack this because this is like my my brainstorm right is that we know that dexcom has phenomenal technology in the space they've been the technological leader in constant glucose monitoring for quite some time recent reports show that abbott have recently kind of just pipped dexcom a little bit on the technological side of things so it is a competitive space i fully get that one of the mitigating factors, again, is that Dexcom's pricing point has started to move lower. You know, and I think that's important because when we first looked at the stock, I remember looking at the equipment and saying, holy smoke, this is really quite expensive. And again, another benefit here is that Medicare in the US is now covering the Dexcom product because it's not just the constant glucose monitoring. They also integrate that with, I think, the pumps, for example. And so that shows you that they're fundamentally plugged into that entire ecosystem, which maybe gives them a little bit of an edge, a little bit of a moat compared to the likes of, let's call it an Apple that might be just entering into the space and maybe specifically targeting the type two space uh, as an initial kind of move. Maybe your thoughts on that, because it's quite important to land it. Is Dexcom potentially a takeover or a partnership target for some of these players? Or is the entrance of a big player like an Apple, for example, some competitive flex with Abbott, for example, are those existential risks? You know, what, what does that look like depending on how this market evolves? So I think the answer is yes to all of the above. So in other words, they're a very compelling business. I'm not sure what it would be like to buy them, to actually structure something, to actually buy them out. 
their brand is their, you know, is their most valuable thing. You know, going back to what Ghost just said about having ambassadors and that, having people who use their products, particularly this new G6 patch as well. You know, when I go out and I see, you know, tra- traditionally for me, my daughters are swimmers. So I see a lot of swimmers and I see a lot of them with the patches on, you know, with their, with their costumes racing, using this, this patch, particularly this G6. And I think when people get used to a specific product, they tend to be loyal to that product as long as the product is good. That said, nothing stops someone else from coming in and doing something. And the, the interesting part about whether there will be a takeout target or whether they will be taken over, I do feel there's a very strong brand here and a, and a lot of brand loyalty. But on the other side, these competitors have been around for a while. I mean, Abbott and Medtronic have been around for a while and Dexcom continues to grow and continues to have a very good market around them. So there's always going to be a threat that someone could take them out. I wonder how much more technology benefits someone gets out of uh, this space. So that'll be interesting to watch. You know, I think that, and I don't believe, you know, Dexcom, as we said before, a lot of their technology is developed in in conjunction with Google. So they do have a really big sort of giant behind them as well, which is helping. There's no cross ownership winning. It's just technology being developed alongside and I don't think they're sitting on their hands but I also think that they are more and to use a crude term I think they they're probably the Toyota here and they're providing a really good product that people like using that they understand there might be other bells and whistles and all sorts of things that that you can get as time evolves but let's see if those are worth um, the customer's experience change to change to something better but at this stage I think you've always got those circling companies because this is a growing space. And for investors, this is a huge runway opportunity. And this is not something that's going to go away, being type 1, type 2 diabetes. So I think it's a very attractive market for potential investors. And I think Dexcom have got the brand right at the moment. So let's see where they go. I'm not sure if that answers what you what you were asking. Yeah, I think it, it, it definitely, you know, there are always risks on the horizon mm. with any investment. I think the brand is definitely a strong selling point as indicated by both you and, and Ghost. Uh, let's see how it goes. I mean, the, the proof of the pudding is always in the eating. Uh, as we indicated, you know, we first spoke to you guys when Dexcom was trading down at around $60 a share. Uh, it's now around 115 In fact, it, it peaked around 120 So still pretty close to kind of the, the peak levels we had seen uh, quite recently, but definitely interesting to watch. Uh, good to know that you still hold it in the portfolio. Uh, and again, the underlying market still quite large, a lot of organic growth, I would argue. And whilst that's bad for healthcare, it certainly is is not uh, not bad for Dexcom. Uh, I want to change tech right now uh, and move over to, to Star Surgical, because this is a stock that I'm, I'm not as close to. I haven't watched Star Surgical as closely. I know you have uh, at Anbro. And maybe let's talk about what's happened with Star Surgical, because that's a stock when we spoke about it last year was also trading around the kind of $60 range. It peaked all the way at around 111, but then fell back quite sharply. I mean, we saw that at around $40 a share at the end of last year, now bouncing again at around 60. So a lot more volatile, I would argue, than we've seen with, with Dexcom. What's been happening at Star Surgical? Maybe even before that, just for the listeners who may have missed the previous show, maybe just tell us what Star Surgical does as a business. Sure, I think that's a great intro. So Star Surgical, share code STAA. Basically, you've got around 2.6 billion people globally at the moment. 34% of the world's population suffer from myopia, some kind of vision impairment requiring correction. That is expected to increase to around 3.36 billion people by 2030. Huge tailwind again in this industry. 
you know, people's eyesight and, and vision is, is just incredibly important as we as we know. So huge runway in that area. Star focus on 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 three major areas. One, their flagship is what's called an implantable columnar lens, which is a lens they can put in in under 10 minutes. When I say they, their distribution force would be any and all ophthalmologists and eye specialists globally. And they'll be able to put that in and it would be designed specifically for you and your correction. You'd have a, a probably a break of about 10, 20 minutes and you'd be able to walk out of there. So a really step change play in the eye correct or corrective surgery space, far less invasive than laser. So the reason we like it is that it's a very interesting play. We, we looked for a long time. How could you have a play in China that you could get where it was lower risk? Because as we know, and we've spoken about investors, being non-Chinese myself, we don't have the ability to hold stock in China directly. But how could we benefit from what is obviously a huge market and opportunity in that space? Well, the interesting part is, and this is what really piqued our interest in the stock from the beginning, was Star actually have a working relationship with the Chinese government with regard to a scenario where around 80% of Chinese uh, university goers actually suffer from eyesight issues that require some sort of correction. So there was a lot of engagement between Chinese government and Star for this product, and that's, that's their major market. That's how they really made their name in that space. As a company, you know, they, they weigh over a million issued implantable columnar lenses. So call it 500,000 people worldwide that, that had that, that passed that last year. And for the first time, they actually launched in their own market um, in the U.S. That was last year when they launched properly into the U.S. Now, as a business, they focus, you know, the majority of their sort of expenditure now is focused on three areas. They R&D, they still do a hell of a lot of R&D because as you can imagine, you know, an implantable columnar lens, you may have a rejection from somebody. They're still trying to make sure that the lens is as perfect as possible, even though they have very little rejection at the moment. They do a huge amount of industry training. So they go out and their um, COO was saying that in the year on year, the fourth quarter, their doctor visits and training were up 600% at the end of last year. And then the other thing is they've got a very strong sales and marketing team that travels the globe, showing all the different sort of success pieces and things like that as well, where they are very strong. So this company is incredibly well-placed. I think they represent something that is non-partisan, which is, you know, improving people's eyesight, improving something which is a scourge again, which is making, you know, giving people the ability to see properly. And it's, for me, what I really like about it is it cuts through the politics from that perspective. A couple of interesting things about it. Let's talk a little bit about the volatility. Obviously, having China on your radar makes some people very excited. I mean, we chat to certain financial advisors and they ask us, why, we, why don't we have Chinese stocks in some of our portfolios? And we have, historically. But we don't, we don't have any at the moment, other than potentially star with a leaning there. And the reason was very simple. It's very hard to do any kind of ophthalmic procedure or anything like that when you're still stuck under very harsh COVID conditions, which up until mid-February, most of China was. So trying to see an ophthalmologist and asking them to look at your eyes when you're not allowed to go face-to-face -face with anybody, almost impossible. So what did happen was, being that their biggest market was China, it really hurt them that the lockdowns lasted for as long as they did. And that had a big impact on their revenue. Happy to say that it was quite interesting that in February, within the space of a week, 
when their CEO came out and gave their forecast revisions for, for their earnings and what they, they, they sort of saw for the following year and beyond. In the first week, they were slated, the, the stock got hammered. A week later, Qi opened up in China. They changed their forecast, and now the stock is uh, uh, up year-to-date up 22%. So very obviously hinged to that market, the, all of those factors outside of their control. An interesting part about their business is I read a, a very interesting analyst article that said this company is the kind of company that um, anybody could run. Now, I, I don't believe that because I think it's it's quite a specialist business that you don't want to get wrong because you'll only get it wrong once and that product would get a bad name and you'd be done. But here's what is interesting. They recently have appointed a guy called Warren Fust, or Faust, however you want to spell it, F-O-U-S-T. He is the ex-president um, of Johnson & Johnson Vision. They also brought in um, a lady called Magda Mishner. I hope I'm saying her name right. This ghost will love this. This is a new C-suite name for me. Chief Clinical, Regulatory and Medical um, Affairs Officer. So Chief Clinical, Regulatory and Medical Affairs Officer. Very nice. She's ex-Acufocus, which was bought by Bosch & Lum which is um, you know, very big in the space of uh, anything ocular as well. And Bosch and Lum, as we all know, for those with eyesight uh, issues, I doubt you haven't had contact lenses from them. Now, both of these were seen as incredibly positive. The stock moved around 1% on the day when those first were announced. And um, their current CEO, Thomas Friends, is also, in 2020 when he joined, also ex-Johnson & Johnson Vision president. So what I see in this stock is a, a stock that really is on, you know, has a really big runway in front of it, um, has a really big opportunity in its sites, and is appointing the right people as it grows into those spaces. Remember that for both Dexcom and Star, having a lot of revenue outside the States hasn't really been your friend with a strong dollar. And we've spoken about that historically, you know, earning in euros or Japanese yen or, or Chinese renminbi or whatever you've been earning in wasn't really helpful um, with a very, very strong dollar. That's set to change when the Fed starts to, to obviously uh, loosen a lot of their monetary policy, but we'll wait for that. So both these companies benefit from having global income. The other interesting part about this company is that their sales in China jumped 100% from 2020 to 2022. So as a company, they grew by 100%. Now, make no mistake, this is not as big a company as, as Dexcom, which is also small. This is a small company start. But this is a small company that I think is investing in the right space and really moving to a position of, of strength in their market. In the implantable columnar lens market, they are around 9% of that market, and it's currently estimated by the end of this year to be a market of around a billion dollars at the moment. That is going to grow massively. They're saying the implantable columnar lens market could grow by approximately 13.5% um, on a compound annual growth rate ad infinitum over the next couple of years, and they see that accelerating. So... This is really a technology which is starting to take off. Their adoption in the U.S., once the FDA approved their, um, their product, has been phenomenal. I think they've seen 130% growth since they started from a low base, but really, really moving forward. Here's an interesting one for Finance Ghost that I actually got, uh, I thought you might like this, guys. Not to belabor the point about the strength of the balance sheet, but there are not many companies that have a negative net debt balance sheet. Says companies of negative net debt possess more cash and cash equivalents than the financial obligations and hence are more financially stable. In terms of this, if you look at the net debt situation of the largest US companies in the Fortune 500, you are looking at 
only Alphabet Google comes close to, to Star Surgical at this stage. Now, those are not the best comparisons, but it's a very interesting company in that it sits in a very low debt environment. It has a product which is being adopted almost universally across two of the world's biggest markets and beyond. It's hiring really good people who know how to run big global businesses. And uh, it has a real focus on growth in a runway area that is just getting bigger and bigger. So for me, if we look at the stock, over a full year, it's down about 17%. Year to date, up 22.8%. Over the last five years, it's returned about 330%. We like the long-term prospects of this, and we like stocks where there's big runway, low debt, smart management in place. You know, we, we try and look for founder-led companies. But in this case, these are really pinpoint plays. You know, when somebody says, why Dexcom? Well, it's, you know, we know diabetes is a big scourge in the world. What about Star? Why Star? Star, well, what about vision? The way um, we look at how many people, you know, on the planet need improved eye, eye care. And we like these plays because they can, you can literally dial straight down to both of those. And Star's still the same, holding in our portfolio as well cool thing about fundamental research is when you get to do something like understand such a pure look through to China, you know, mm. if you wanted to take a view on China, there's a way to do it. You know, dare I say line of sight into China. I mean, the jokes write themselves on this, but <laughs> it is uh, also like uh, the fact that an exec from a vision business joined in 2020. I, I really hope they had a strategic initiative at one point called 2020 vision. I would not have been able to resist that if I worked there, but these are interesting businesses, you know, and they're way off the radar. Like they really, really are. I think just before you guys came on and spoke about these with us some months ago, I mean, I'd never really heard of either. Luckily, my insulin works and so do my eyes, touch wood. And, uh, you know, at least that's that's fine. Mo, I don't know, <laughs> you, you might know these companies, but it's interesting to understand them. And obviously the tailwind growth is the exciting thing, right? When you're in such a strong growth market, you don't need to shoot the lights out to get a piece of the action. You kind of just need to stay technologically relevant and ride the wave. First, you know, the last point I'll make is, you know, particularly in the portfolio where we hold these, um, a lot of people think, oh, it's a growth portfolio. It's just technology. You know, this must be some sort of RT or something. The reality is it's not all like that. You know, a lot of what we hold are companies like this that are focused, that have large runway and make a difference in their market. You know, that's that's what we're looking for, the smartest best managed, lowest geared, best plays for the next five to 10 years. And that's what we're after. And these two are definitely in that space. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in with two very cheesy puns here because as Ghost said, the jokes write themselves on the show. And, and, and the first one is, Justin, I appreciated the lens that you, you had on Star because of the, the low debt. You know, I think the low debt was something that stuck out for me when I had a look at this company after you'd put it on the radar. Uh, that's something that appeals to me. I like businesses that are kind of de-risked. And also, remember, it's not just the fact that they de-risk. It means that as they grow into this TAM, this runway, the market that you've indicated, they have balance sheet flexibility to do that. You know, they can then go and change their capital structure as they grow into the opportunity, as they're approved in the US, for example. So Star's one that I haven't been that close to. It was on the radar. You put it on last year. I haven't watched it as closely. And again, I think it does require a, a closer look. And the other one was Dexcom. And I think Dexcom have certainly shown sweet returns over the course of the last uh, nine to 10 months, you know, from the levels we had spoken uh, about it at around 60, uh, all the way up to 120. I mean, that's that's literally double. And again, our listeners will pardon those terrible puns from me. <laughs> Just, do you, have any, do you have any medicine for terrible puns? Because I think uh, there's a market, there's a strong market here on Magic Markets, specifically Mo. Uh, 
Bad dad jokes. Please, can you just research, <laughs> just research something that we can just, I don't know, just force a doctor to go around to his house. <laughs> yeah, please, just sort him out. Sort uh, him out. Just, I think that's pretty much what we have time for this week. Thank you so much. It's always great to have you on the show. You and Craig both from Andrew. I think it's always good to finish off with, you know, how people find you, what they can learn about your investment offerings, I suppose, and how they can just, you know, contact Ambro. Sure. Thanks very much for having me, you know, Mo and, and Ghost. It's, it's always a pleasure to be with you guys. I enjoy the insights. I like the questions and I like the chat, man. And same for any of your investors. You know, if you want to reach out and chat to us, you can find us on the on the Anbro website, which is www.anbro.co or go directly to investinunicorns.com or dynamiccompounding.com, which are the underlying product websites. Thanks, Just Putting the bro in Anbro here. And the other half, of course, is Craig and Tony. You know, for anyone who's less and figured out how you came up with the name. Thank you so much. I look forward to doing this again with you. And Mo, over to you. Yeah, thanks, Just. Always a pleasure chatting to you and the team at Anbro. And to our listeners, we hope you've enjoyed this. You know, the flavor of these shows with Anbro is really to put some of these ideas on the table, put stuff on the radar that we haven't necessarily picked up ourselves or that you might not have come across. So I really appreciate that, Justin. Uh, again, to you and the team at Anbro, thanks so much. And we look forward to having you on future shows as well. Uh, thanks so much. Until next week, same time, same place. Cheers. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by Anbro Capital Investments. Invest in the future, invest in growth. Visit investinunicorns.com to learn more. The unicorn portfolio is managed by Anbro Capital Investments, an authorized financial services provider. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not financial or investment advice. Please speak to your personal financial advisor 